So we'll treat for us that not being many are here today and grateful for, I know some of you who are going to share afterwards in the meal, it's just a time to just recognize them and let them know that we love them and uh, want to be a part of their lives and hopefully they're a part of it. And so just grateful that they're here. Of course, we had fun this weekend. We were just so grateful, uh, not only for my daughter, but for my son. Uh, we're actually in Matthew 26 this morning, but I want to do a scripture reading. A couple of chapters before that, chapter 10. And so I'm going to ask if you turn to Matthew 10 with the idea that we're going to head over to chapter 26 pretty quick, but just for a scripture reading. So I ask when you find that, if you'll stand in God's honor. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out. Holy Spirit, uh, fill this place with your holy word. Uh, may we hear from you and simply may request, Lord, because in this world, your voice is the one that matters. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I want to talk this morning about traitors. What a word. Traitor is someone who you think is in your corner, and then they're not. You think you can trust them, and then you can't. You think you're safe, but you're not. And when we look at two different guys, it, it, it's interesting because one of them gets a lot of accolades uh, in church. Guy, Peter. And then another guy. Judas Iscariot does not, and uh, you wouldn't, you know, I don't even know a, a dog or a lizard, uh, any type of pet, pet snake or whatever, they name Judas, he just does not uh, get the fanfare, but the fact of the matter is, both of these guys were traitors. It's interesting, uh, whenever they have the list of the disciples of the famous twelve, the first guy on the list is Peter. And the last guy on the list is Judas. But yet they're both on the list. And Jesus sent out both of them to go out. He loved and he cared about both of them. And sometimes, guys, we talk this church stuff so much that it's almost like we don't hear it or we don't really think about what the scriptures tell us. I mean, it's amazing to think that these two, and the other ten as well, they were there walking with Jesus. And they saw things that are unexplainable. People who were sick being healed. People who were controlled by evil spirits being 
set free. They, they saw nature succumb to his command. You know, the, they're out in the sea and the wind stopped blowing just by a mere word that Jesus spoke. And, and when he spoke, it was like, man, this is like no one else we have ever heard. Both these guys were there. Not only were they there in those times of, um, you know, missionary work. They were there in times where it was just hanging out with Jesus. Not only did they hear him cry, they heard him laugh. They saw Jesus, as they say, you know, with your hair down. <laughs> He's not before a crowd. He's, he's not trying to present himself in a certain way. They were able to see Jesus. And not only that, they knew they had been seen by Jesus. Can you imagine? You have watched Jesus doing all of this amazing work. And suddenly he comes up to you and says, now it's your turn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you out. And yet the guy who was first on the list and the guy that was last on the list and all the guys in between, probably most of us here are guys in between. We're probably not the very top and we're probably not the very bottom. They were sent out. And the, the two big names, the guy at the start and the guy at the end, they both betrayed Jesus. It says in Matthew 7, he, he says, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He says, um, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we preach? I mean, we let it roar, man. Great preaching that moved hearts. Did we not prophesy in your name? And you in your name drive out demons? We saw a work that could only be explained. God showed up. We're powerful. And perform many miracles. This is where these guys were. And what did Jesus say to some of those who made that statement? Well, the next verse, he says, um, and I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. He says, away from me, guys. And there is a sense of betrayal that happens in every one of us. There is a sense in which no matter how much we claim to love Jesus and follow Jesus and walk with Jesus and never let him down, that we know we will. So now come to Matthew 26 as we start checking out these two men. I want to start at verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, we know that the guy who was a leper suffered immensely. People normally didn't want to be around him. They were afraid of him that they would get this disease that he, as a leper, has. And yet this is where they met. A woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume 
which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. In other words, they were ticked off. I cannot believe this is happening. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Man, the ministry that could have happened with that money that went to purchasing that perfume. What a waste. But Jesus didn't join in with the disciples' criticism. Instead, he turned to her and he said this. Why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. And here's, here's a verse that's so often it's like, what? The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. She poured this perfume on my body. She did it to prepare me for burial. They're in this home. And what does Jesus say? I'm about to die. Mary knew that and she poured this expensive perfume on Jesus because Jesus had impacted and changed her life so significantly that all she could do was find some way to say, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. We find out as we read in John chapter 12 that the guy who was behind the disciples' criticism was Judas Iscariot himself. Uh, listen, this is picking up at John 12, verse 4. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. That's pretty significant. This was a smokescreen. This really wasn't about helping the poor. But because he was a thief, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So he was a hypocrite. He was living a double life. He, he lived as this guy that cared about the downtrodden. The, the broken, the outcast, and yet he was really helping himself to the money that was in the bag. So he was a double agent. He, he lived a double life. And then in verse 7, leave her alone, Jesus said. It was intended she should save this perfume for my burial. So not only was he pretending to be something that he wasn't, was made worse by his treachery. Uh, Francis Bacon once said, a bad man is made worse when he pretends to be a saint. Years ago, when my son Nathan played soccer, you know, I, I got to know a lot of the other dads that would come and drop their sons off. And One of the guys uh, that Nathan played soccer with, his dad told me that uh, they were related to one of the gang members of Jesse James, the notorious outlaw, you know. So he told me a few stories he had heard about, you know, riding with Jesse James. <laughs> Here's the thing about Jesse James many people didn't know. Not only was he a, man, was he a thief and, and a murderer and, you know, not a decent guy. He loved to go to church. Not only did he love to go to church at Kearney County Baptist Church, 
He loved music. This rascal joined the choir. He sang to the praise and glory of God, and then through the week he shot people and took their money. Now, I don't know if this guy could carry a tune or not, but who's going to tell him if he couldn't, right? I mean, that's, uh, you know. Um, and he once said, uh, sorry, I missed church last Sunday. I was busy, and I couldn't get there. <laughs> Why? Because his life didn't match up when he wasn't in church. But Judas... He had another reason other than just to follow Jesus. He wanted Jesus to follow him. He wanted Jesus to be his servant. He wanted Jesus to do his bidding. Drop down to verse 14 of, of uh, Matthew 26. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver, deliver him over to you? So they counted out 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. He began dealing with a dark group of people, the elitist, the religious leaders who hated Jesus. And it's significant that 30 pieces of silver in Leviticus 21 is what was paid for a slave gored by an ox was worth 30 pieces of silver. They wanted to control Jesus. These religious leaders, they wanted Jesus out of the way because he was a threat to their position, to their prominence. Judas wanted him to take control. He was bloodthirsty. He hated the fact that his country was being ruled by the Romans how they were being oppressed, how they were being held down. And his idea was, Jesus, I want you to come in here and fix it. And if you have to take out a bunch of that crew, go ahead and do it. And then when he comes, he's not happy. He, he's upset as this gift of this fragrance is poured out on Jesus because he hears about the cross. And he despises the cross. He doesn't want the cross. He wants a show of power. He doesn't want someone to die for others. He wants to kill others <laughs> so that he can be free and so that the others can be free. So you come to the, the Passover meal as, as you continue to read on and, and they're sitting together. Uh, this is verse 19. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve and they were eating he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And so what happens? He says he's, he's sitting uh, there with the twelve. And while they were eating, Jesus says, one of you guys is going to betray me. And they have no clue. Verse 22, they were sad. And they began to say, is it me? Surely it's not me, Lord. They didn't even realize who was the betrayer? They thought, maybe, maybe it's me. Jesus says, verse 23, The one who's dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. Then he goes on, he said it would have been better for him if he had not even been born. 
Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. Jesus said, Surely not I, Lord. And Jesus said, Yes, you. Now, picture, you know, we've got that picture of Da Vinci painted the, of the, Lord, the Last Supper, and you've got all the guys, and I mean, in that picture, it looks like they're posing for a camera, right? So that everybody can look at them. But it certainly wasn't like that. In that day, rather than sitting on a table, they were sitting on the floor, and they were reclining at a small table. We know that John sat next to Jesus. Where did Judas sit? Well, the fact that he said, the guy I'm handing this bread to to have it dipped, he had to be close. My premise is, John was on one side, Judas was on the other side. And what does this say? It says, Jesus knew exactly who was going to betray him. And I believe at some point before that Passover meal, Jesus, knowing John would come and sit beside him on one side, went directly to the guy who he knew was going to betray him, who was going to sell him out, who, who was going to give him that kiss of betrayal. And what did he do? He invited him to sit next to him. It was like one last chance. One, one last chance not to do what you are about to do. Judas, and yet, it says Satan entered Judas and he took off, the betrayer. And then there's another betrayer, there's Peter. Remember, uh, Jesus had the guys together and he said, who, who do men say I am? And then he looked at Pete and he said, who, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. This comes from God. And so, you know, I think Peter's feeling pretty good. Mm, I got God's blessing. Jesus thinks I'm the wonder boy. Life is good. But then it was just a few seconds later, Jesus again began to speak about the death that awaited him. And Peter said, no way, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. Mm -mm, no, no. And Jesus, you talk about from up to down. He said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Peter, you no longer are listening or speaking from the Spirit of God. And now suddenly you've changed course. Jesus goes on and he speaks about what will happen, about the death that will occur. And and. Peter says, I'll never, ah, man, I will never betray you, Lord. You can count on me. And all the other disciples said, yeah, us too, Lord. Yeah, us too. And yet we know what happened. Now let's drop down to verse 69 of this chapter. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, the guy that will never betray Jesus, right? And a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Peter, Jesus had been through six trials in a 24-hour period before any of the physical suffering occurred. 
of this suffering and these trials. And now Jesus is out in the courtyard and a servant comes up and, and says to him, you know, you're with him. And he denies it. But he, but he doesn't stop there. We see again a couple of verses later after saying, I don't know what you're talking about. He, he went out to the gateway. Another girl saw him, said to the people, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again. This time, he, he, he says it with an oath. In other words, I'm a God-fearing man, and I tell you, no, this didn't happen. But even that wasn't enough. He continued on in verse 75 or 74. Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. That southern drawl, you know, gives you away. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. He's, he's cursing himself. Immediately a rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. There's Judas, the guy he betrayed with a kiss. Satan entered him, he took off. And then there's Simon Peter, who he was the leader of the group. But he also betrayed Jesus. He also let Jesus down. So they both betrayed Jesus. What was the difference in the two? Judas' betrayal, he refused the cross. He became so wrapped up in the betrayal, he became so wrapped up in the fact of how he turned away from Jesus. He went into a great depression and he ended up committing suicide. He ended up taking his life. Peter, on the other hand, was restored. Peter, on the other hand, became one used of God. And remember, there, there was this uh, forgiveness that happened. It's, Peter's broken before Jesus. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? You know, it's happened three times. Feed my sheep. Jesus is saying, Peter, I love you, and the way that you heal, the way that you heal is to love others, to feed others, to be invested in others, to feed, to feed my sheep. Now, uh, in Luke 22, verse 61, it says, The Lord turned and looked at Peter, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that said to him, Before the rooster crows, you have denied me three times. So what happened with Simon Peter? Simon Peter, too, was a man of betrayal. But then when he looked at Jesus, he remembered. And he went to the cross. He remembered why Jesus was here. Judas Iscariot, he wanted nothing to do with the cross. He wanted to be in charge. He wanted God to be his servant, to do things his way. He didn't understand God sent Jesus to be the servant and that he was doing the bidding of God himself. And by doing that bidding, he played the major role in forgiveness for us. 
So you had one who refused the death of Christ, who tried to force God to do things his way, and he ended up not only disillusioned, he ended up suicidal, he ended up broken. And then you had another who came to grips with the fact of why Jesus actually came and he received the forgiveness that was available to him. You see, there was Judas when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he gave that kiss of betrayal. They, their eyes met. They looked at one another. But there was no recognition of there's another way. That forgiveness is available. And so he left that place with no hope. Peter had hope restored. This is from 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, For he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. By his wounds you were healed. You're healed. Healing is available. We often ask ourselves, am I good enough to get to heaven? Well, no, but the real question is not, am I good enough? The question is, will I let Jesus heal me? Will you let Jesus heal you today? <laughs> it's not the matter of betrayal that is so mind-boggling to all of us. It's the matter of why Jesus came and that Jesus completed the task. One man despised it. One man said, no way, that can't possibly happen. Another guy had that view for a time, but then he realized this is what it is all about. It is all about the real forgiveness, and we all desperately need forgiveness. Let me close with this story. Peter Miller, back in the time of the Revolutionary War, was a preacher who preached the truth with boldness. He had an enemy who hated him, who tried to make life miserable for Peter Miller. This man, he ended up being branded a traitor, and uh, his execution was set for a specific time. Peter Miller walked 60 miles to where this man was and to talk to General Washington. He came before uh, General Washington. He said, um, will you please release this man? I've just walked 60 miles for his release. And Washington said, I'm sorry, but this guy's record, there is no way I can release your friend based upon what he has done. And Peter Miller said, he's not my friend. He's my biggest enemy. Well, why are you here? Because he deserves a chance at forgiveness. And Washington said, okay. So he signed the release document. And so Peter Miller heads toward this guy. You know, he's about to be executed. And he sees Peter Miller and he says, Aha, my enemy! I bet you're gloating. I bet this is your brightest day. You've looked so forward to seeing me finally face death. Can you imagine how surprised he was when Peter Miller didn't answer him, but instead took this letter directly to the executioner and handed it to him. And next thing he knows, he is set free. Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to set me free.
inside of your bulletin, there is a ton of stuff in our bulletins today, okay, I know, but there is a piece of paper in here as well, just a blank piece of paper, and uh, I find mine, mine's in here too. And I want to ask each of you, there is something you guys are dealing with. And you need forgiveness. I want us today, with Easter upon us, to, we're having a, a, a Good Friday service. And for Jesus, it appeared to be anything but good, but it's good for us, the cross. The bottom of the cross here, there is a basket. I'm going to ask you now, and, and, and if there's anybody, look through your book, is there anybody that doesn't have a slip of paper? If not, we want to make sure you do. I want to give you an opportunity to, to write something you're struggling with and to fold it and for an invitation to come and to place this in the basket at the foot of the cross. We can bring whatever it is to the cross. Because the cross has taken the dividing barrier and he has made us one in Christ. And we need to rest in the work that is complete. Jesus said it is finished and we can run to him. So let's take a minute. My paper's right there, man. Write something on your paper for a minute. I'm going to have a quick word of prayer and then I'm going to ask you to come. And that's going to be our invitation as they sing. To come and to place at the foot of the cross your brokenness.